It's really good to see you from a different angle today than what I usually see you from standing outside in the cold air getting my fingers frozen to death. And now my fingers are warm, so it's really great. Today we're really going to talk about the Word of God. And uh, uh, the main idea is building character through the Word of God, but we're going to look at several scriptures. Some of them are going to be up here on the screens, and some of them you're going to have to listen to me read. Now, as you reach your 70s, those who aren't 70 yet, you have to understand this. Once you reach the 70 years, your eyes begin to dim, and what you used to be able to read very easily, you have to go like this to read. So if you see me going like this, it's so I can... So I can read. Psalm 119, we're going to look at. Uh, it's a verse that you, you've uh, heard many times in your life. Psalm 119, verses 9 through 16. How can a young man keep his way pure? By living according to the word. I seek you with all my heart. Do not let me stray from your commands. Thy word have I hidden in my heart that I might not sin against thee. Do you guys know that verse? Can you repeat it with me? Thy word have I hidden in my heart that I might not sin against thee. Praise be you, O Lord. Teach me your decrees. With my lips I recount all the laws that come from your mouth. I rejoice in following your statutes as one rejoices in great riches. I meditate on your precepts and consider your ways. I delight in your decrees. I will not neglect your word. Later on in the same book of uh, Psalms 119, it says, Thy word is a lamp unto my feet, a light unto my path. Let's open with prayer here. Heavenly Father, we come before you today and we discover truths from the Scripture that were written 3,000 years ago. These were intended for people who were living their lives in ancient Israel, in the holy lands in that area. And in the same way, these words are intended for us today. Father, open our eyes, open our hearts, open our minds that we might understand your purpose as you gave these words to us. We pray these things in in Jesus' name. Amen. So, did you hear about the person who went down to the Um, dealership and went to the auto parts section and said, I need to buy a longer dipstick for my my car. Uh, What what, what do you need a longer dipstick for? He says, well, when I used to check the oil, I would see the oil on the dipstick. Now when I put the dipstick in, there's no oil there, so I guess I need a longer dipstick. 
during World War II, as we were, um, many of you were around in, at the time of World War II, and many of our parents were, uh, we were building various uh, airplanes, jets, bombers, and, and various things, and uh, they built the B-17 bomber. And, uh, oh, they, the architects, the designers, the engineers, the manufacturers, all were meticulous in everything they did until they took it out on a test flight. The very first time they took it up in the air, it crashed and killed all three pilots that were aboard. So they went back and they argued. They argued about whose fault it was. Was it the, the designer? Was it the engineer? Was it the manufacturer? And then they found out that when they were taking off, the pilot forgot to adjust the flaps. And so there were no flaps, and so when he took off, instead of taking off, it went boom. And so what they did was something that was very unique. They developed a, a, um, a, a checklist. And so when you're at the airport, when you're on a plane, you're sitting there, and you hear the engine going, What's the captain doing and the co-captain in the airline? They're going through a checklist. Make sure everything is fine. You know, um, I never drove school bus until I came back to Grants Pass in 2014. And uh, we, we learned one thing, that every morning we have to go through a checklist. We get on the plane, you know, we check the red lights, the yellow lights, the, uh, the emergency lights, the tire pressure, the aura. Uh, oil pressure, the uh, air pressure for the, the brakes, make sure the doors open, make sure the turn signals work. There's a checklist we go through, and we all do it through a computer. We, we go by each tire, checking everything. We check the decks. Oh, there's a lot of things that we have to go through. We have a checklist. We have a checklist also with the Word of God. Do we go through the checklist or is it just something that we randomly do? Sometimes yes and sometimes no. Several years ago, there was a, a group that uh, called the Center for Bible Engagement. And uh, they, they put together a study on uh, what happens when you read the Word of God at least four days a week. They, they, were, they asked 100,000 people. Well, several years after that, they did the survey one more time. What happens in a person's life when they read the Word of God at least four days a week? Let's look at some of these. People are less likely by 62% to drink to excess. Viewing pornography, people are less likely by 59% less likely to view pornography. Sex outside of marriage, that's down 59%. Lashing out in anger. You are less likely to 
lash out in anger, 31%. Now, these are people who are reading the Word of God at least four days a week. How about gossiping? That's down 28%. Neglecting family, that's down 26%. Now, this one I didn't do. It's, it's overeating, so... No, it's, it's down 20%. Mishandling money, down 20%. Feeling bitter, that's down 40%. Self-destructive thinking, down 32%. Let me tell you on the school bus, among middle school and high school kids, Boy, they are really struggling uh, with destructive behavior, not only toward themselves, but toward uh, other kids on the bus. If they could just learn the secret of reading the Bible, but unfortunately for many of them, I don't think they have a Bible in the home. Or if they do have it, it's on the shelf gathering dust. How about having difficulty forgiving? This is one of the biggest problems that we have in the United States, is forgiving someone when they've gone wrong. That's down 31% if they read the Bible four times a week. How about feeling discouraged? Down 31%. Experiencing loneliness? Down 30%. How many of you have ever experienced feeling lonely? Feeling spiritually stagnant. Finally, feeling like you can't please God. Let's look at these. We talk about developing character. Character within, as people grow in their Christian faith. The amount of drinking, pornography, sex outside of marriage, lashing out of anger. You can see the one who overcomes these are the people of the greater character. Can you imagine what it would be like if what the it would be like if it was seven days a week? Or how about if people just started doing it one day a week? And two days a week, getting started in the Word of God. Now, I'm not talking about reading whole chapters, I mean, the whole books of the Bible at once, but maybe starting something simple like Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. Take one chapter a day. In Matthew, it's 28 chapters, and Mark, it's 16 chapters, and Luke, it's 24 chapters, and and, and John is 21 chapters. That's 90 chapters. That means if you do one chapter a day in three months, you will go through all the Gospels and all the insights that you can gain from Jesus' teachings, his miracles, his power, what he's able to do in people's lives who are hurting and how our character can be built just by reading one chapter a day. 
But look what happens if you do read the, the Bible. Uh, your giving financially to the church goes up 416%. Those who read the Bible four days a week. Giving goes up. Discipling other people goes up 231%. Being able to share the gospel with other people who are maybe your co-workers or family or friends or things like that, it goes up 228%. I think David understood when he said, Thy word have I hid in my heart. Well, I look at the word hid in Hebrew. It means the word accumulate, to build up. So what David said, thy word I'm building up, I'm accumulating. I was talking to someone, um, Aaron and, and Kirsten, and, and I'm sure that we can talk to Jerry. I'm sure that we can talk to Pam. They had an accumulation this last week out in Selma. How big was the accumulation? Uh, <laughs> what happens if the Word of God begins to accumulate in our heart, in our thinking? in our purpose, in our motivation, in our intentionality. Oh, our character changes a great deal. We won't have any desire for gossip. We won't have any desire for pornography. We won't have any desire for these things. In fact, I won't feel as lonely. I won't feel as depressed. I won't feel as angry. I won't feel like lashing out at other people because... God's word is accumulating. God's word is accumulating where it needs to accumulate. So reading the Bible is the number one predictor of spiritual maturity. We're going to see how this plays out in Acts. He's on his first missionary journey, Paul. It's around the th year 30 A.D., I mean 50 A.D. It's around 15 to 20 years after the resurrection of Jesus. And now the word of God is beginning to reach into Turkey, uh, Asia Minor, where Turkey is. And um, in, in fact, this general region of, of Asia Minor is called Galatia. And so within a few years after that, this is where uh, the book of Galatians was intended for. So, so Paul was writing to these people. But if, if we start in Acts chapter 13, if you have your Bibles or, or your, your um, tablets, or there's Bibles in the pews there in front of you, feel, follow along with me. I am reading in the New International Version. I'm starting at verse 26. 
And um, it's going to be a lengthy passage, but this gives the gospel story. It helps people who have never heard the gospel before. So if you've, you ever want to share with someone who, um, who doesn't have faith, this is a good spot, uh, spot to, to read. It starts in verse 26. Brothers, children of Abraham, and you God-fearing Gentiles, in other words, non God-fearing, non-Jewish people. It is to us that this message of salvation has been sent. Applied to us, it is to us. March 12, 2023, fellow believers in Christ, it is to us that this message of salvation has been sent. The people of Jerusalem and their rulers did not recognize Jesus, yet in condemning him, they fulfilled the words of the prophets that are read every Sabbath. Though they found no proper ground for a death sentence, they asked Pilate to have him executed. When they had carried out all that was written about him, they took him down from the tree and laid him in a tomb. We can read those stories in Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John within the last few chapters of each book. But God. How many times do we go through circumstances in life and say, I don't know how I'm going to handle this. Boy, this frustration I have, this anger I have, and, and all this anxiety I have, how can I do it? And this answers two words. But God. But God raised him from the dead. And for many days he was seen by those who had traveled with him from Galilee to Jerusalem. They are now his witnesses to our people. If you read in 1 Corinthians chapter 15, it says there were 500 people at least, who witnessed his being alive after the resurrection. We are here to tell you the good news. What God promised our fathers, he has fulfilled for us, their children, by raising up Jesus, as is written in the second psalm. By the way, read how many times in this little area where it says God raised him from the dead. Okay. Um, in the second psalm, it says, You are my son, today I have become your father. Verse 34. The fact that God raised him from the dead, never to decay, is stated in these words. I will give you holy and sure blessing promised to David. So it is stated elsewhere, you will not let your holy one see decay. For when God, David had served God's purpose in his own generation... He fell asleep. He was buried with his fathers and his body decayed. But the one whom God raised from the dead did not see decay. 
Therefore, my brothers, I want you to know that through Jesus, and this is the key point, through Jesus, the forgiveness of sins is proclaimed to you. Through him, everyone who believes is justified from everything you could not be fulfilled from, from by the law of Moses. In other words, we're justified by what Jesus did on the cross, just as I've never sinned. The law under Moses could not justify us that way. Now, that's, that's news. This is news to the people in Galatia because they haven't been to Jerusalem. They've heard rumors about Jesus. They've heard stories about Jesus. And the Greeks, you know, they worship Zeus. They, they worship Thor. They worship Ares. They worship all these other people. And now somebody's coming and giving them news that By God's grace, your sins can be forgiven. You can be set free from the burden that's weighing you down. And it's by someone whose body did not decay. Verse 38, therefore, my brethren, I've just read that, I'm sorry. I want you to know that through Jesus, the forgiveness of sins is proclaimed to you. Now he says, he, re, he uh, reads a, uh, quotes a scripture from Habakkuk chapter 1 verse 5. Habakkuk's in the Old Testament. Take care of what you, what the prophets had said does not happen to you. Look, you scoffers, wonder and perish. For I'm going to do something in your days that you would never believe, even if someone told you. Have you ever been in a situation and said, boy, something's going to happen? I'm, you've got to see it to believe it. So when we were at Curmudgeons a couple of weeks ago, we said, Jerry, it's going to snow at your house. And I said, it's going to snow so much, you're not going to believe it. And he says, well, I'll see the day. And it happened. And his eyes were, yeah. Wow. I want to tell you something. There's going to be somebody who's going to die on the cross, who's going to have a sword stuck in him. He's going to have taken down the cross. He's not going to be breathing. And he's going to be laid in a tomb. He's going to be... Um, He's going to be dead, but he's going to rise from the dead. And he's going to appear, and he's going to say, hey, put, put your finger in my side. Put your finger in my hand. I've got to, Thomas said, I'm not going to believe it until I see it. He saw it and said, oh, Lord, my God, it happened. I've been following you for three years. I've trusted in you. You you said these promises about you, but in the back of my mind, I'm going, why? I'll believe it when I see it. Peter. 
Oh, Peter had so many up and downs. He's more than a yo-yo, more than a roller coaster. On the night that Jesus was betrayed, a young girl said, that man there, that man there, he was with Jesus. I mean, yeah, he was with Jesus. I know him. Me? No, it wasn't me. You're thinking about somebody else. It wasn't me. He went out after saying that and it said he broke down. Not just a, a little teardrop because he really broke down because the one he loved so much, the one who met him on the water when they were walking on the Sea of Capernaum and Jesus says, come out and walk with me. And he sunk on himself and Jesus reached down and grabbed him and said, come on up. That same Jesus who uh, Peter saw had the power to raise him up. He was confronted by Jesus later on and Jesus says, do you love me? Yeah, I love you. Feed my sheep. Hey, Peter, do you love me? Feed my sheep. Peter, do you love me? He's asking the same question today. Congregation. Congregation. Do you love Jesus? Are you in a relationship with him? Well, continuing, as, as Paul and Barnabas were leaving the synagogue, the people invited him to speak further about these things on the next Sabbath. So when the congregation was dismissed, many of the Jews and devout converts to Judaism followed Paul and Barnabas, who talked with them, and they urged them to continue in the grace of God. On the next Sabbath, almost the whole city gathered to hear the word of God. Let me tell you what Antioch of Pisidia, which is this city. It's the retirement area for the veterans who served in the Roman army. Those who retired, this was a little villa that they came to and they retired there. So these people who were converts, converts that were coming here, many of them may have been Roman, retired Roman soldiers and they were, came and said, Jesus, I mean, said, um, they urged them to continue in the grace of God. Almost the, on the next Sabbath, almost the whole city gathered to hear the word of God. And when the Jews saw the crowd, they were filled with jealousy and talked abusively against what Paul was saying. 
Then Paul and Barnabas answered them boldly, We had to speak the word of God to you Jews first. Since you reject and do not consider yourselves worthy of eternal life, we now turn to the Gentiles. For this is what the Lord has commanded us. I have made you a light for the Gentiles that you might bring salvation to the ends of the earth. Thy word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. When the Gentiles heard this, they were glad. They honored the word of God, Lord, and all were appointed for eternal life believed. The word of the Lord spread throughout the whole region. Then Paul continued his journey. He went to Iconium, he went to Derby, he went to other cities. He ended up in Thessalonica uh, on the uh, Greek side. Of the, he, he left the uh, area of, um, of Asia Minor, Turkey, and he crossed over into Greece and the little town called, called Thessalonica, and people ran him out of town. So he went to the town of Berea. And in chapter 17, uh, verse 11 and 12, it says, Now the Bereans were of more noble character than the Thessalonians, for they received the message with great eagerness and examined the scriptures every day. Not four days a week. Every day to see if what God, Paul said was true. Many of the Jews believed, as did also a number of prominent Greek women and many Greek men. The word of God. It's spreading. In Ephesians chapter uh, 2, verse 4. But it talks about, but God, because of his great love for us, God who is rich in mercy, made us alive with Christ even when we were dead in our sins. Well, in, in chapter 16 of of uh, Acts, Paul introduces us to a young man from uh, Lystra and Iconium. His name was Timothy. His mother was Jewish. His father was a Greek. He was well respected by the people of the community, and he was converted to Christ, and, uh, and he went with Paul on his journey. Later, in 2 Timothy chapter 2, verse 15, Paul writes these instructions to, uh, to Timothy. He said, do your best, do your best to present yourself to God as one approved. A worker who does not need to be ashamed and who correctly handles the word of truth. You know, I'd love to get into the scripture. I'd love to get into the Hebrew. I'd love to get into the Greek. And there's a word in this verse that when you, when you get into the study that's uh, really amazing, it's the word approved. Let me, let me show you how it is in its context and see if it makes a difference in the way we read this. Back in those days, they didn't have any paper money. If you look at my wallet, I don't have any paper money either. <laughs> but what they would do is take the metals, silver, whatever, and 
bring it to a boil, and pour it into a mold. And when it would cool, they would smooth off the edges and, uh, and weigh it and make sure that it reached a standard weight. In fact, in those days in Athens, they made 80 laws uh, concerning on how to make these coins because the people were abusing it. Sometimes people were shaving it wrong or um, cutting off the edges or making it too small so that would... See, back, back then when you bought things, you had a scale. You, you put your, your coins on this side, then you put your whatever you're going to buy on this side, and, and so it evens it out. And so if you're shaving off too much on the coin here, then it uh, made a difference on how much goods you got had on the scale. You understand that? So the people that shaved it properly, shaved it to code, shaved it according to the law, these people were reliable. And the, uh, the government trusted them. They were reliable. They were called dokimos. That's a Greek word, dokimos. That means this man makes coins that are approved. So how when we look at this verse, do your, do your best to present yourself to God as one who is dokimos. You didn't cut corners. You didn't shave too much. You were doing things according to the way God wants you to. Present yourself as one who is approved, a worker who does not need to be shamed, one who correctly handles the word of truth. So what is he saying? He says, when the word of God, he's asking all of us to be reliable handlers of God's word. We all know uh, uh, Romans chapter 12, verse 1 and 2, I urge you, brethren, by the mercies of God, to present yourself as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable, holy and acceptable God, which is your spiritual worship. Sometimes we forget the next verse. It says, do not conform to the pattern of this world. Don't be like those... Uh, people who shave it too much, who shave off the word of God, who leave off this preceptor concept. It says, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good and pleasing and perfect will. Wow, let's go back here. Then you will be able to test and approve. The word test Okay, let's, let's put this little coin that we've smoothed off the edges. Let's put it on with an approved coin and, and the coin that you just made and make sure that they come out to exactly the same. That, you may, that the, t the coin that you made is tested. And so at the end of it, you can put a stamp on it and say, approved. What's he talking about here? He's talking about the renewing of your mind. 
the transforming of your mind, that when you transform your mind, that you are in accordance with God, what God wants in your life. Jim, let's look at this last little bit here. What happened in chapter 13 when the word of God was, was spoken there? Chapter 13, verse 44. Almost the whole city gathered together to hear the word of God. Verse 46. We had to speak the word of God to you first. 48, the Gentiles were glad and they honored the word of God. 49, the word of the Lord spread throughout the whole region. The lives were being changed. Sins were being forgiven. Lives were changing Lifestyles were changing. The catalyst for a move of God was the dedication to the Word of God. So, that was 50 AD. How about 1977? Oh yeah, there was a move of God that took place. Eddie was there. Were you there? Okay. Uh, the Pruitts, Heisler, were there. My folks were there. Uh, who am I missing? I'm sorry. Uh, Karen, Brad's dad was there, Daryl. They gathered together to study the Word of God. Wayne Osborne came over from uh, Central Point and they had Bible study every week. Pretty soon it grew. The amount of people grew and it uh, went to the Redwood Grange because they ran out of room in the house. Then it went to the Rowe Community College and then it went to uh, uh, building a little piece of property out here. So, well, why do we want to build a piece of property out here in the sticks? <laughs> they did. Here we are. But you see how the foundation of the Word of God was within them at that point? We have this facility. But you see all the educational units? They were prepared to teach the Word of God from the smallest to the oldest. So where do we go from here? See, the Word of God came alive. It came alive in the people that were studying its Word. It, no longer were they just words on a piece of paper. But the Word of God was accumulating in their hearts, in their minds, in their souls. 
the Word of God was accumulating and it was, it was making a huge difference. I was going to pick on Karen for a second, but she was married to a guy named Jack. First 18 years of marriage, never went to church. Through this Bible study in 1977, he was introduced to Jesus. The same day that he came forward, Daryl's dad came forward also, and they were both baptized at the same time. You can remember that. You can remember that. If the Word of God is going to spread so that we fill all the seats, we're going to pray that, first of all, the Word of God accumulates within us, and we're going to do that by reading the Bible four or more times a week and studying it. We're going to pray. We're going to ask the Holy Spirit to make that Word of God come alive in our lives. And we're going to trust Him. Thy Word have I hid in my heart that I might not sin against Thee. Thy word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. Let's pray. Father God, we, we thank you so much for the written word. We are more than grateful that we live on this side of the cross. That it wasn't the time of... Um, the Babylonian, Babylonian ta- captivity or the, the Syrian captivity or the time of the judges. But we live in a time of the resurrection of the Christ who died for us, who loves us, and has given us his spirit so that his spirit may grow and abide and accumulate within us. We've been given a gift far too valuable to let it go to waste. Help us now to be good stewards of your word. Do our best to show ourselves approved to you. This is our prayer in Jesus' name. Amen.